Well, we're moving through Luke's gospel on a Sunday morning when I'm uh, preaching here. And uh, we're in chapter 4. We're looking at the temptation of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, by the very devil of hell. And um, I thought we'd make more progress than uh, we are going to do this morning. But looking at the passage again, there's one area I haven't covered and we really need to spend some time thinking about it. So just to bring us up to speed here, previously, focusing on chapter 1 and the first few verses there, we looked at the contrasts that Jesus Christ experienced. Looking back at chapter 3 and verses 21, Jesus was in a situation, here it is, when all the people were baptised, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptised, and while he prayed, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form, like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. Now then Luke is inspired to bring us the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ, but chapter 4 and verse 1 follows straight on from his baptism, and so he goes straight from a time of plenty, uh, the lush Jordan River Valley, the presence of people, uh, that spectacular, dramatic rending of the heavens, uh, the Holy Spirit descending in bodily form like a dove. Uh, he himself is praying, and a voice comes from heaven. A, Whoa, what an assurance. You are my beloved Son. In you, I am well pleased. And then he is moved by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where he is alone, he's hungry, uh, he is in his human weakness. And uh, you and I, remember, can go through times as Christians. Uh, nothing essentially different to Jesus Christ between that lush river Jordan Valley and the desolation of the desert. He still remains exactly who he is but his circumstances have dramatically changed. And you and I pass through times just like that. The contrasts of life through all the changing scenes of life. The mountaintops, and then we're down in the valleys, and sometimes we're halfway up, and sometimes we recognize we're on the way up, and then we slip. Sometimes we recognize we're on the way back down again. But whatever, our circumstances in Christ remain exactly the same. I wonder where you are this morning. I wonder where I am uh, this morning. So we looked at that, the contrast. And then we looked, last time I preached here on this passage, at the confrontation itself, that in that situation, after 40 days of fasting, uh, he's hungry, there's his human Weakness. Remember, Jesus Christ really was a man. Really a man. A man there is a real man. The Lord Jesus Christ is also fully God. What a, what a mystery. Meekness and majesty joined in the one person. One person, two natures. He is eternal with regards his absolute deity and one with the Father and one with the Holy Spirit. But he became a man. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He didn't cease to be God. Nothing changed there. No change 
in the divine being at the incarnation, but a union with human nature. Quite remarkable. Oh, what a mystery. But coming to him in his human weakness is the very devil of hell. And we spent some time looking at the Bible's teaching on him. He's known as Lucifer, Satan. He's a fallen archangel, immensely powerful, spiritual being, powerful, swift, very, very clever. We learn about the wiles of the devil. But although he is very powerful, very swift, and very clever, he's not omnipotent, he's not omniscient, he's not omnipresent. He has his cohorts with him, fallen angels, evil spirits, uh, demons. And uh, the aim of the devil with regard to you, number one, he would try to stop you being saved. But he will fail at that. Because Jesus Christ is omnipotent. And although the devil will try and hinder you coming to faith, he will lose that battle. He will lose it. Because we're told clearly in the Scripture, Jesus Christ will save his people from their sin. Now here's... Here's the gospel in its simplicity, its beautiful simplicity. You and I were made for one main purpose. We do lots of things, but there's one reason for being. And unless you are fulfilling that purpose and knowing that purpose, you will feel a hunger and an emptiness that nothing in this world could possibly satisfy, even though you may try. We had this sad incident just uh, this uh, last week, and it would have been an instantaneous thing, and there's comfort uh, in that. But uh, to, to think that you put yourself in a, well, what an adventurer. I, I admire the adventurous spirit to put yourself in a, a pretty thick metal tube and well-designed, well, not well-designed enough, and to go down, down, down. Why? Well, because it's possible Another thrill? Something else to fill the gap? And once you've done that, what do you do next? Well, there's still a desire for something more. I've been to space. I've been down to the depths. What are you looking for? Something to fill the hunger. My friends, you were made to know God. To know Him. Not just know about Him, but to know Him. Christianity is a relationship with the God who, who is there. Who made the heavens? I was asked just this Thursday at Christianity Explored, and do do come along if you haven't been yet. Seven o'clock, we start with a with a meal, then get into the study and watching a video and little discussion groups. It's really really uh, helpful. But um, oh, what would you say uh, to people who say, "Well, we can't see God"? My friends, the clues are there. <laughs> the evidence is abundant. Uh, the heavens declare the glory of God. David wrote that 3,000 years ago and it remains as true now as it was then and ever will be. The evidence is there. Where's it all come from? Nothing comes from nothing and something cannot be eternal but someone can be. Pure spirit, the being of God. And by an act of pure spiritual power he creates the heavens and the earth and the jewel in the crown of his creation, mankind, let us make man in our image. 
And so he made man in his image. Male and female, he created them. Why? To know him and to enjoy him. Didn't last long in the Garden of Eden because this wily snake from the pit of hell. Did God really say? Well, they listened to him. If you eat from this tree, said God, you will die. You're free to do it. I've made you free. But you will die if you eat from this tree. And tempted by the devil of hell. Sold them a lie. Took the fruit and ate it. Their eyes are open. They know good and evil. They begin to hide from God. And that's what we've been doing ever since. Hiding from the one who made us to know him. Trying to find fulfillment in other things. Cut off from the source of life. And sin brings death, physical, spiritual, and eternal. But God doesn't want that. So he sends his son into the world. One being, three persons, not three gods. One divine being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One in their eternity, power, knowledge, presence. One in their commitment. One in their love. One in their blessing. Co-equal, co-eternal. The Father sends the Son. The Son is willing to come. He doesn't have to have his metaphorical arm twisted. And the Holy Spirit says, I will oversee this great venture to rescue fallen mankind, to bring you back. That that empty void might be fulfilled. You might escape the judgment that's on you now and is still to come. Death, I don't know God. Death, physically. Death, eternal. There is a judgment to come. How do we escape the judgment to come? The wages of sin is death. It's what we earn. So Jesus Christ comes into the world willingly. The eternal Son of God becomes a man. To get to heaven as a man, a human being, I must live a perfect life. Can you do it? I certainly can't. And religion won't get me there. Religion says, try your best. Why all these religions in the world? It's because there's a void in every human being and we're trying to reach, reach God. And the ethic of every religion is try, try your best. Read this book. Do these things. Deny yourself this. And then will I get to heaven? Well, we hope so. We hope so. But there's no hope outside of Jesus Christ. True Christianity is not a mere religion. There are religious activities. We're involved in one now. We're under the preaching of the Word of God. But the essence of Christianity is not me trying to reach God, but Him reaching down to me in Jesus Christ. I'm helpless and hopeless. But God in His mercy has sent the great rescuer, Jesus Christ. There was no hope for that little submarine. And even if it was still there on the sea bottom, had they no hope. But we're in greater depths. And my friend, there's hope. Not in religion, not in your morality, not in your good works, but only in Jesus Christ. He's come to do you good. He's done those two things I was telling the children about. To get to heaven, I need a perfect life. I haven't got one. So Jesus Christ becomes a man and lives it for me. My friends, as I'm saying it again, it's almost too good to be true. And then more than that, I deserve the wrath of God. And before I can ever be saved, I need to recognize that. I am the sinner who deserves the judgment. It's called conviction of sin. I'm aware that I've offended God. 
But Jesus Christ goes to the cross, and on the cross, the Father, this is how it works, you see, the economy of God, the wages of sin is death, and Jesus Christ pays it all. He paid it all. If he's paid it all, how much do I have to pay? Well, nothing, because he paid it all. How do I know it's true? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He rose again from the dead the third day. What do I need to do? Don't get religious now. But there is something you do need to do. You can do it right where you're sitting. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Not you. Not me. Trust him. Who's him? Jesus. Jesus Christ. Jesus is given name which means uh, Saviour. Christ is his title, the promised one, the Messiah. His title is Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, the God of all eternity. Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. Trust him. Now, trust means two things. Faith and repentance. You You cannot have one without the other. You really can't. True faith brings true repentance. True repentance is driven by true faith. You can't have one without the other. I turn from self and I turn to him, Jesus Christ. I turn away from my sin and I turn to his righteousness. That is the gospel. My friend, you can do it now. If he touches your heart, pray God he would. You can do that now. And the rest of the sermon becomes irrelevant and the burden's lifted And my friends, never put the burden back on yourself. Don't try and work for your salvation. It's all been done, but do work out your salvation. Now, we're on the activity of the the enemy. He'll try and stop you becoming a Christian. So, as I've given the gospel now, he'll bring all sorts of thoughts. Did I turn the oven on? Uh, Did did I leave my window open in in, in the car? Was it my car? What what number did he he say? Uh, Oh, it's hot. Oh, it's hot. Well, it is hot, but concentrate. Goodness me, the children, they're mainly in there. But you're adults. It is hot, but let's, let's concentrate. So he'll try and distract you with many things. Oh, he looks hot up there. Why does he take his jacket off, poor dad? Well, because there are sweat patches under my arms. I don't want you to see those. So let's, let's keep on, on track. He'll try and do all sorts. He'll try and stop you coming uh, in the first place. Maybe your car wouldn't start or... It's a bit too hot to go this, this morning. What, whatever. But my friends, he will fail because Jesus Christ will save his people from their sin. But here's the second thing that he will do. Once you have become a Christian, and with this he is very good, he will look to hinder your progress. Now, how's he doing with you? Are you a Christian here this morning? This is where he's so good and he's been studying people like you and me for thousands of years. We only get one go at this Christian life. Let's not mess it up. He, he will try and mess it up. Uh, he will come to you in the same old way he's come over the centuries. And it's written here in the Bible. There's a pattern here in the temptations of the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll bring doubts if you want. I fancy that. Saying to Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God. Oh, if you, if you are the Son of God... Has he come to you recently? Call yourself a Christian. And we shrink and we shrivel. Stand up.
and trust. Where are you standing? What does it mean to be a Christian? It's not me. It's him. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, yes, of course it's there. But where do I look? Well, not at my guilt. I'm crushed. Upward I look and see him there who made an end to most of my sin. All of it, my friends. All of it. In Christ alone. That's where we, we stand. And what's my identity? So much talk about identity today. My only identity is this. A Christian. In Christ. And that's the only place to be safe. So he will try and hinder you. But let's move on. Because I want to look at the constant. The constant and it really is a wonderful, wonderful truth. The constant here. See, the contrast between verse 21 to 23, the lush Jordan Valley and the people and the blessing of God and the prayer and the descending of the Holy Spirit and that declaration, you are my son. The contrast there in the desert when he has friends, or only friends are jackals and, uh, and vultures and there's nobody there for him and he's, he's hungry and he's feeling weak and the, 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 the devil of hell is there instead of uh, God's uh, approbation, you are my son. My friends, there is a wonderful, wonderful constant here because in verse 21 and in chapter 4 uh, verse 1 chapter 3 and 21 and chapter 4 and verse 1 the constant is God himself and God the Holy Spirit he's filled with the Holy Spirit in verse 22 of chapter 3 and then in chapter 4 and verse 1 how does he end up in the desert he is filled with the Holy Spirit and he is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. In fact, in Mark's Gospel, as he relates this exact account, uh, the word that's used in the Greek uh, is um, ekbalo. The Spirit ekbaloed him into the wilderness, ejected him. There he is in the lush Jordan Valley. How does he end up in that wilderness? The Holy Spirit ejected him. Another word to, to translate it with is he drove him. Luke is using this word inspired by the Spirit, led him. Mark is, is used to use this Greek word drove him, cast him out from the Jordan into the desert, from the lushness and the glory of that fellowship into this encounter with the very devil of hell. Why? Why do we often question why, why am I in this situation? Has God abandoned me? Had God abandoned the Lord Jesus Christ? Certainly not. Certainly not. The Holy Spirit leads him, drove him to this encounter. Jesus Christ is here to do one thing, and that's to save you and me. And to do that, he's going to take on this great, great enemy. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of Man was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. 
So right at the start of his ministry now, he's been baptized, he's led by the Spirit into the desert to this encounter with the devil of hell. And here's the foretaste of what's going to be happening. The battle is commenced, the horns are, are locked, and Jesus Christ has come to destroy what Satan did in the Garden of Eden. That's good news. But it meant going into this desolate, desolate situation. It begins here in the wilderness. And for us again, listen now, the contrasts of life, but the reality of God's constant oversight, constant presence, constant leading, constant at times driving us in, in certain areas, but never doubt, never doubt for a moment that He is the one reality. We could have sung so many hymns this morning. We're thinking about the constancy of our position, our situation in Christ and the care of God for us. I don't know what your present circumstances might be, but He's God speaking to you. He has not abandoned you. He never intends to. He never will do. Whatever the devil might insinuate, whatever your own heart might say to you, my friends, don't trust your heart. Don't trust it. It'll lead you astray. Always trust Jesus Christ through all the changing scenes of life in trouble and in joy. The praises of my God shall still my heart and tongue employ. Of His deliverance, meant you're in trouble if you're going to be delivered, I will boast till all that are distressed from my example comfort take and charm their griefs to rest. You know, to say, well, my friend, I've been through that. Don't be discouraged. He, he brought me through. He will bring you through. We could go through the whole hymn, but time, time is, is moving on. Through all the changing scenes of life, from the mountaintops to the valley, from the Jordan to the desert. When Jacob fell asleep, what a... I mean, where have you spent the night? What hotel have you been to? Maybe if you end up camping. I don't decry camping. Some people really enjoy camping, but I'm a little bit past that now. I need some home comforts and a nice sprung bed. And one essential thing, it's, it's got to be two pillows, fluffed up nicely. But Jacob... What a desolate situation, fleeing from his brother Esau. Esau wants to kill him. I better sleep for the night. Well, where's my bed? There it is. And where's my pillow? It's a rock. I find that incredible. A rock to lay his head on. And then the dream. God coming to him in a, in a dream. And then he, he awakes how Awesome is this place. God is in this place. I did not know it. So as you and I have come in this morning, is God in this place? Do, do we know it? This is the very gate of heaven. As the word is opened up, it's an opportunity. If I'll discipline my wayward heart that will deceive me, 
Oh, the heart, the heart, desperately wicked, deceitful above all things. Take it in hand again, my friend. Don't be led by your feelings. It's good to have feelings, and I'm glad I have a degree of feelings. And I'm glad Christianity recognizes experiential realities. But I can't live on those. I live on truth and facts and reality. Uh, Jacob comes to know that reality. I did not know it. Now, now he does. But whatever situation you're going through, my friends, and I'm going through, to know the constancy of God. Nothing changes there. Nothing changes. Whatever circumstance I might be in. Now, to know this intellectually with the mind is really, really important. Let me remind you again of um, this helpful illustration. I am a physical human being, but the essence of me is spiritual. The body will die, but the soul will continue. At the resurrection, I get a new body. Whether it's a helpful one or a, an awful one depends on have I trusted Jesus Christ. But we're all going to have a resurrection body. But the soul could be represented by my hand. Remember this illustration? And the soul has got a mind that thinks. It's not your nose that thinks. It's not your leg that thinks. It's, it's, it's the soul. It's got a mind. It's got affections and feelings. It's got a will that makes decisions. Again, it's not your arm that makes a decision. Your will makes your arm move and do something because of a decision it's made. Mind and the affections and the will, and then there's a memory about the past, and then there's a conscience that can be tender, it can be quite hardened. And they are departments of the soul, but the real you, you're not a mind, you're not a, 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 an affection, you're not a will, you're not a conscience, you're not a memory, you are you. And it's called the inner man. Before you're converted, it's the old man, and when you're converted, it's the new man, and your disposition is switched from self to Christ. That's, that's this repentance. It used to be all me, 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 I, 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 what I, what I think, I think. Who cares what you think? What does God think? That's what, yeah. Conversion. Conversion. And now my, my mind starts to think on better things. My affections desire new things. My will will make better decisions. My memory, well, I'm ashamed of things I've done. My conscience, well, I need to, to, to train that but through all the changing scenes of life. Once I become a Christian now, the inner man, the new man, can call on God the Holy Spirit. Greater is he, 1 John 4 verse 4. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, the devil. Now, the devil will try and attack you. He'll bring you down by saying, well, I don't feel like going to church today. I don't feel like going to the prayer meeting. I haven't been for a while, so I'm out of the habit. I might as well not spoil a habit. I don't feel like reading my Bible. I don't feel like being kind. I don't feel joyful. I don't feel that peace. And this is where the king department of the soul is the mind, and that's, that's where the mind has got to take some control here. So you wake up in the morning, I don't feel like going to church. The mind, think. Christ 
rose from the dead. And I can't even get out of bed. What's that about? What's that about, affections? Think, think. Lord, enlighten my understanding that I might take my affections in hand. Nothing has changed. Don't trust in my feelings. Put my focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, the wonder of who he is and all that he has done. May he dominate my thinking that then warms my heart, that then controls my will. And I'm going to get out of bed. I'm going to go to the prayer meeting. I can't get there for half past seven. I haven't had my dinner. Well, have your dinner afterwards. Oh, I, I really need my dinner. I sympathize. Then come at quarter past eight and join us for the prayer meeting. I even find that impossible. Then come at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning as a pre-service prayer meeting. Do we believe or don't we? Do I believe or don't I? What fruit is being produced? What is my will doing? Am I governed by my affections? No, I need to be governed by my thinking. Truth, the constant reality through all the changing scenes of life in troubles and in joy one constant reality jesus christ crucified and risen from the dead reigning currently coming again final situation of heaven and hell may jesus christ dominate our thinking in my 40 odd years as a christian there are certain bits of advice I've been given, and I've got them in my top five. And here is number two I'd share with you. Now, I think I've said it before. I'm sure I've said it before because it's so good. It was uh, something written by Ignatius. Now, he'd be second, third century church leader, pretty sure second. And uh, he said this, let none but Christ dazzle you. Let none but Christ dazzle you. Thou the one reality. Always focusing on him. That's the second best piece of advice I've ever received. Always looking to Jesus. Waking, starting the day, continuing the end, sleeping, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. He enlightens my mind and my thinking. Leads on to, um, well, what's the best piece of advice I've ever heard? I'm sure I've told you this, and this is where I need to focus my mind. How can I focus on the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, here he is, Christ on every page, Genesis to Revelation. I hope you're reading your Bibles, Christians, feeding on the Word of God. Regularly, daily, doggy, determined, disciplined, delightful, delving into God's Word. The best piece of advice I've ever received is the night I was converted when a man said to me, every day, make sure you read your Bible and say your prayers. Let me finish with, with this because it's relevant to this uh, encounter with the devil himself. The third best piece of advice I ever received. First, read your Bible. Second, let none but Christ dazzle you. Third best piece of advice, and I do this every morning. May God give me grace to continue. In the battle for the mind, the devil will come to distract and uh, depress and to deviate and to destroy. God has given you something. 
it's called the armour of light. And it's listed for us in Ephesians 6, 10 to 13. Put it on every day. How can we go out to face the world, the flesh and the devil without the armour he's given to us? Each part put on with prayer. So I, I put on the belt of truth. I attach the breastplate of righteousness. I put on my shoes of the gospel. I take up the shield of faith and I would hold it in my left hand. You might be right, left-handed, you put your shield in your right hand then. And you put on the helmet of salvation. And then you take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and you pray at all times in the Spirit. Do, do pray for that protection, my friends. So there I'll leave it for this morning. It's important to cover that. Despite the great contrasts, despite the um, encounter with the devil himself, there's that great constant through all the changing scenes of life. God is for you. In Jesus Christ, he's fully committed. Are we fully committed to him? Let's pray, shall we? Father, thank you for a brief time in your word. Thank you for this little aspect. We thank you for your constancy in a rapidly changing world and the rapidly changing circumstances of our own lives. May we have that great assurance that your good hand is upon us. And for some here for the first time this morning, may it please you to save them and bring them to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask to your glory. Amen. Well, let's sing a final hymn. It's a, a well-known hymn, 595 <clears throat> in the hymn books. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Nought be all else to me save that thou art. Thou my best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light.
may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen.